Welcome to the Crafting Creatives Podcast, where imagination and reality collide. Here is your host, Jason Wright. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Crafting Creatives Podcast. I'm really excited today to have a special guest. Uh, I've got some really great questions for him. His name is Harris Newman. And Harris, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. This is exciting. Uh, really excited to have you here. It's going to be a fun conversation. I'm really excited to ask about your uh, zine and uh, some of the other things you're up to and, and um, maybe find out what ideas, tips you have for people who want to be a writer or they maybe want to put together their own zines mm. and, and maybe dig in a little bit and learn how you know you came up with that energy to put something like this together. Awesome. All right, so first, uh, Harris, for the audience, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Mm. Um, well, I know you from our last job together, working at Web4, uh, where I was a content writer, and I've been writing uh, professionally for a few years now, in a mix between marketing and um, doing my own personal writing as well, which sometimes I'm lucky enough to get paid for. Um, yeah, been in Portland a few years. I was, grew up in Florida, moved, lived, to Thailand, lived in Thailand for a few years, um, and I've been here. Yeah, I'm always. It's hard for me to do those. To <laughs> 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 tell me about yourself so hard. It's a hard thing. I don't have something really hey, that prepared works. for that. That works. Okay, cool. Uh, Is there anything else? Yeah, you just ask. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to start by uh, letting the audience know that Harris uh, has a couple things going on right now. He's got his own website. You also have the Dreamweaver podcast. Why don't you talk about that for a second? Yeah, Dreamweaver's um, podcast I've been doing for over two years. I interview people in their dream jobs, which has varying, um, I guess, interpretations for what that is. But for me, it's, it's when um, people's work really matches who they innately are. In terms of talent and passion, um, and we we just get the story of um, how it came to be, how they got into this work, and um, they typically have some very profound things that they've learned. I mean, they're a bit older; most of them are in their forties or fifties, well established, and they have some really great things to share. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, one of your recent episodes was with Coco, and uh, she talked a lot about roller skates. What was the biggest thing you took from from that interview you had with her? So to give context for that, the roller skates is um, it's basically if I can even sum it up best, it's like the feeling when you're most like empowered, like when you're most you're feeling just most inspired and just clued into whatever you're doing. And for her, that was skating as a child, and she said your work needs to evoke that feeling, especially if you're creating something and she teaches people how to access that and I was like does that mean because for me I was I loved uh, Legos as a kid that was when I had that feeling you know I'm putting together a set Mm -hmm. it's my favorite thing in the world Mm -hmm. and I was like does that mean I become a Lego builder like (laughs) (laughs) and she said no but it's accessing that feeling in whatever work you do and people buy the feeling, they don't buy the product. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 if you listen to the episode, you can hear me just like blow up internally. Yeah, yeah. 
and yeah, that was that was that. Yeah, that was the takeaway. It's it's the feeling that you put into it, and if you can tap into it, then it's powerful. People pay a lot of money for it. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. not the goal, but it's nice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, getting paid is nice. Um, it's part of being a professional. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you talk. You you mentioned energy. Um, along that same notion. Did you always have a passion for writing? Or did this start? Because you mentioned you're a Lego builder, you know, you <laughs> got the Legos. When when did you start writing stuff? Were you young and writing, you know, little comic strips and things with crayons? Or was it years later when you were going through school or something like that? Um, I st no, it, it's not one of those stories where I was like four years old, you know, and like scribbling stories and whatnot. I always loved drawing as a kid. Um, college, I majored in creative writing, and I enjoyed it, and I didn't really pick it up again for a while, and it was just, I, I don't know how sort of deep to get into this, but basically I was like figuring out what do I want to do with my life, and I was doing a lot of personal writing, and it became something I discovered where like you'd start writing and it would turn into something completely different as you were doing it wow this is really really cool really really interesting and that was about three or three or four years ago when things have just sort of gradually happened along the way that have made me deeper appreciate it um just the process and what it brings out in me and how it's like it's a good fit yeah so no it wasn't just bam like oh <laughs> this is it but it was just like, wow, this, yeah, this fits. This fits really well, and I, and it, I enjoy it. Yeah. Awesome. What do you think? What do you think the next five or ten years has in store for you? Like, what's what's next for you? What are you What are you hoping to maybe achieve or accomplish over the next five to ten years? Pulitzers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not on the. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> um, I still, like I said, I lived in Thailand. Yeah. Um, before and I love traveling and I love writing stories and I'd love to do some work in the near future that where I can do that um, and I love media like I love producing stories um, just things that can enrich someone's life that I enjoy expressing mm -hmm. and um, I'd love to have them to run a media outlet that yeah produces stories for people to consume to enjoy uh, what what kind of stories good question first thing that came to mind because I love writing personal stories I love telling people's um, talking about their lives and really getting into like yeah who the can we cuss on this yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck are you like <laughs> what's what's in there and like if you can like sort of a the first thought when you said what types of stories, I said, I thought stories that touch the soul, where you really get to understand someone and then learn something about yourself as you read it. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I love stories that um, change the way you see the world, where it's a line or it's just a theme or even if it's a setting, like a, a high concept, just something that sparks the imagination and gets people uh, revved up. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's a book that I read by Mark Sanborn called um, You Don't Need a Title to Be a Leader. Mm -hmm. In there, 
you wouldn't think to find this in this book, but in there, there's this one line somewhere in the book that says, uh, health is not an obligation, it's an opportunity. And, and that, that statement has stuck with me, I mean, more so than, than most of the other elements of that book. And what does that mean? Or what does it mean to you? It's this idea for me, and how I translate it, is that being healthy doesn't have to be a pressure or um, create feelings of guilt. You simply change a mindset of looking at it as an opportunity to maybe do or be more. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. So I want to talk about the zine that you produced, and uh, the audience can't see it, but right now I'm looking at a color version, which is the only one in existence, right? Yeah. It's awesome. So yeah. you have this zine, uh, the story of the cho chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Rise. Rise. The story of the chocolate chip cookie. Where, where did this come from? <laughs> um, when I first moved to Portland, I was dating a girl who, I guess they're called like old Portland people, <laughs> as in they, they're hipsters that make zines. And I saw, um, <laughs> I saw this, this girl made one about burritos and I thought it was just so clever. And it's like, it's just, you could, a zine, you could do whatever the hell you want and you can publish it and like, it's cheap. And I said, I really want to do a zine at some point in my life. And it's kind of crazy how that works is like, you probably had it where I want to do X, make a video do I want to make construct something or produce something but you yep. don't know what the idea yep. is yet and I said that with zines but the word cookie was there and I always knew it all along and like I never for some reason just never acknowledged it until like a long time afterwards and then I just started working on it and yeah that was fun it's fun make zines make <laughs> a zine <laughs> So staying on this topic, uh, I remember when you blasted this out on social, and you're like, hey, you can pick this up for a couple of bucks or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, how many did you sell? 20,000. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why are we sitting here then? <laughs> no, uh, I say that because, um, yeah, a, a few people, I didn't sell any. Um, I offered them for free, and... I said if, if there was like an insane demand, I'd start charging just for postage. Yeah. Um, yeah, about about 15 people reached out, and then since I've printed a bunch, and I just always, they're like business cards. Yeah. It's like marketing. like That's how it starts. You know, the fact that all this time and energy and effort went into this, yeah. and not just that, but then you put yourself out there. Yeah. You know, that's like the first step. And how can you take that and keep building on that? Yeah, totally. And you know what? Big things have come from zines as well. Um, yeah, you know, because I know some people struggle with, like, putting themselves out there. and like um, Absolutely. Which is, like, really courageous. But, so it's interesting, because I made a zine after Rise that was, um, I wasn't, like, totally proud of. As in, like, it felt kind of forced. Whereas Rise was, like, from start to finish was fun. Yeah. Like, and that's why people enjoy it because like it's just my full personality coming out in it and the other one was a little bit forced and like I didn't even put it online like I because um I couldn't really it's like you know what this is my own personal project I'm not going to put this one out future ones yes but like 
when it when you know it's good, it's like it's easy to stand behind it and and put it out. Mm-hmm. What you said made, made that come up, so I wanted to I wanted to share that. <laughs> I think there's there's something to be said sometimes. There's this thing we do as human beings where we'll put something together, especially in in the artistic world, and we'll work on something for a long time and say, you know what, this is just really not not what uh, I really want to put out there, or I just I did all this stuff, but I don't really think it's that good, and so you kind of file it away to never be seen again, or you finish it, and it's yeah. not something that you you blast out there. But the thing is, is something I picked up from Aaron Draplin in one of his books, yeah. maybe his only book, but um, what was the kind of design of everything, everyday thing? I forget what it's called, but yeah. um, he mentions, he says, just put all your shit out there. The good shit, the bad shit, put it all out there because someone's going to like your bad shit. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Just as much as your good stuff. So That's true. You know, it, it's, it's just interesting, um, that mindset, because I've certainly put out some bad things, <laughs> but, but I perceive them as bad and then other people like them. I want to counter, though, to his... And that's... Y- y- I think that's the biggest mystery with making things as well, is, like, yeah. what's going to catch and yeah. what won't. Um, yeah. there, and there's so many stories of people who are just like, hey, you know what? It's not my favorite, but take it, and then it blows up or something. But I, st- I run counter to it. It's like, I, I believe if I want to put something out, it's because I stand behind it fully, and the other stuff is not a waste of time just because people aren't going to read it. But it's a building block to... Mm-hmm. It informed you in some way. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So how many pages is this zine? Uh, 20 exhilarating pages. <laughs> <laughs> can, cover can, to cover. <laughs> can people still get their hands on it? Absolutely, yeah. How would they go about doing that? Um, if someone, I mean, it's, so it's showcased on my website. I have a contact form. If someone contacts me, I will gladly print and send a copy. I'd ask for two dollars for postage and printing but i would gladly print and send a copy because awesome. i freaking love it and i want other people to read it <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely um for those who are listening right now at the end of the episode i will give a link that you can go to to learn more about harris and how you can uh purchase this zine and get connected with him uh directly awesome. thanks i want to because we're on this this topic, I'm going to segue to comic books and ask you, do you think that comics in their paper form are about to go extinct? Marvel specifically, and others now too, have had digital versions of comics for a while now that you can subscribe to, but there's still something about going into the store, right? And going into that comic book store and picking up that comic with kind of the sleek feeling cover, you know, where sometimes you got the hologram and it's super fancy <laughs> and you take it out of the plastic sleeve and you carefully turn those pages. Do you think comic books are something that are, that are going to evolve more in the uh, digital world as opposed to the print world? I mean, I, there's a comic book close to, to where I live, a comic book store that shut down last year. Now that I think there's only one left in Vancouver, maybe two. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'll speak more to, like, just print in general, because mm-hmm. um, I'm not, like, I mean, I make Rise, I guess, is, like, a 
has comics in it, but I'm not like a comic book aficionado. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think print will ever go extinct, or at least like I hope it doesn't, because I I never read digital if I can help it, because it's it is a you being in like design and user experience like that's part of the experience is flipping the page mm-hmm. and like in the fold and like it's all designed to be laid out that way and there's there's novelty as well like you said to the store mm-hmm. to being surrounded to meeting people in the community yeah. um, I think it'll evolve I think by necessity people will go digital with their their things but I don't think or at least I wish that print never never goes extinct like I said I avoid digital by any means necessary unless it's like you know reading unless it's mm-hmm. the only copy of it mm-hmm. I, I think I think digital is going to continue to grow, but I think there's always going to be a, be a place for print. And part of it is is that it's so hard to replace that tangible yeah. feeling of picking up something and opening it up and completely reading through it. Completely. And there, you know, especially with like that, which is hand drawn, or you know, other comics which are hand drawn. Like, I believe that there is like a like a, a connection when there's a even if it's subtle like super super subtle there's a connection to experiencing it that way as opposed to um, with a screen mm-hmm. you know through a screen and touching on community you just mentioned that a minute ago going to the store and you know there's like this community who of people who love comics and, and other things I feel the same way when I go to a comic con where people are dressing up there's celebrities there's comics there's just art in general it feels very much like your people, yeah. you know, and, and you feel closer to those people even though you don't know any of them, but you, you know that you're all there and probably all have the same or similar interests, right. you know, in the art of anime or the art in comics or comic book films. Right. just think it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially certain stores, because I haven't been to conventions like that, Mm-hmm. But certain stores have a vibe to it, and like they attract certain people. Um, I'll speak. There's a bookstore called Motherfood Cults right around the corner. It's like one of my favorite places in Portland, just because it's the feeling you get, and it's the people that it attracts there. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's not. We're not talking about the books. We're talking about the store itself, and that's special. Yeah, yeah. I I totally get that. I I think that. For a period of time, and I think it's coming back. The experience side of things has been undervalued for a long time. Yeah, and I think 100%. I think that's going to come back. I think that people are going to going to step aside from just pushing product to come back to the experience. Because, like you said, it's it's the people. I mean, I go into uh, BlackRock, mm. and and not to plug BlackRock, but I <laughs> but I go unofficial sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but I go into BlackRock all the time, but it's actually not because of how fancy or how not fancy their interiors are. It's because I love the people. And now we're back to what Coco's takeaway from about the feeling. Mm-hmm. It, you return there for the feeling, mm-hmm. and it's like there might be there are so many coffees that are comparable to BlackRock's. They're really not that unique. Uh huh. But you'll come back to the feeling because we're goddamn human beings. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And actually, you like. Just right now, it's kind of crazy, connected something for me, which is 
going to a comic con for me and being surrounded by quote unquote my people uh, I get the same feeling when I go to a black rock it's like oh these people are friendly they're not bullies they're nice they're they actually know my name they want to talk to me yes um, that's yes that's huge yes and that, that's why I go back yeah yeah and places get that as well and they're training their employees to it as well like it's the experience yeah it's like and, and yeah and what where I'm going part of where I'm going with this is just the 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 branding that's behind that the yeah. kind of power that's behind just the relationship and the experience side of things and how that can by itself elevate an entire brand yes I completely I completely agree and it's that's by design as well the, the interactions not that like you can train someone to be nice but sure. like you hire the people who exemplify those values that like this is a place where it's not just coffee it's where like it it's nice to go into a place and someone knows your name it's just like it just makes a, something that could be mundane a little bit more special. Mm-hmm. And yeah, places are starting to get that, and it's becoming more popular. And I praise the praise the wall. Yeah, yeah, and I I think <laughs> injecting the human element back into business is what needs to happen and is starting to happen, yeah. and we're seeing that unfold more yeah, and more again. Especially that's why the artistic and creative professions are. Um, in such high demand, it's not just we need a building, we need a pretty building. Yeah. Because we're, we want to, we prefer to go into a pretty building and it's designed well from the inside. Yep. And like, there was a line um, when they, I'm paraphrasing it, but it's like, when we design computers and technology, there needs to be a poet in the room because the need, we cannot forget the human element. Yeah. I, I think you, you bring up a great, uh, a great topic that I want to tap into just briefly. There was a a tagline that was written for a website uh, that was something along the lines of uh, "Grab your things, we're taking you to the next level." Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and then that got vetoed at some point uh, along the process of uh, redeveloping a a site. And I spent a lot of time thinking about why. Because for me, I thought, wow, that was that was that was good. Like that was just on point. But something that we we often forget about is the fact that and this ties into customer experience, it's hard to separate ourselves from the customer experience. You might have people on a team that don't feel that type of messaging resonates with a client base or a customer base, but then uh, it's it's a certain client that you want to attract. So I'm not really making a whole lot of sense here, but I guess where I'm going is that people often stay inside of the mold that they've built and have been inside for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and just stay there without expanding. And I think what we're seeing is we're seeing the youth, we're seeing uh, new generations come in and say, hey, we need to inject the experience, the feeling, the human element, mm-hmm. and that's butting heads against what's been the norm for the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Bummer, because the norm ain't going to get you anywhere. It's not, gonna, it's not the future. Exactly. Yeah. It's comfort. And exactly. It's, um, 
Yeah, it's what it, you know, and it's right, and it's it's alive. Like the um, the norm is like a resistance to change, and change is scary, but change feels good, and it's like you'll grow whether it succeeds or fails, and failure, you know, you might learn something. Yeah, pretty flipping cool from it. Yeah, but it's like ah, we're about to I'm about to <laughs> take a right right turn. Um, but it's like, what type of life, what type of life do you want to live? Sure. You know, do you want to, um, don't, not taking risk for risk's sake, but when something comes and it's like, it's different, yeah, go with it. Yeah, most people, they get comfortable, they lock in and they hone in on that comfort, and they don't want to move outside of that comfort. Yeah. Um, if, if you eat carrots for every meal of every day out of every week out of every year that's not going to be good for you <laughs> you can't keep doing the same thing it's also not fun exactly it's not fun it's stagnant and even bugs bunny <laughs> needs to eat something else every once in that's a while that's right right <laughs> that's great oh man uh, okay let's let's bring it back to a couple of questions i have for you about uh, writing specifically, and uh, this one around writer's block. Mm. A lot of people struggle. Those who consider themselves to be writers, those who consider themselves not to be writers, everyone gets stuck at some point. What what tips do you have in terms of getting past a barrier, maybe a creative barrier? You you've hit a wall. You've written so so much, or you maybe you just got one line, mm. and then you just can't get past it. What <laughs> kind of tips do you have? Um, I've got one that's more practical, and then I've got one that's more broad. I'll start with the broad, because I think, and it's like sort of an ongoing study, right, of like yourself and your own process. Um, writer's block is not something that exists in the sense that like, it's not like a force comes in and blocks you. It's internal. Sure. I think writer's block is really you blocking yourself. And that happens for, like, many reasons. One, people become impatient, and they want what they want to express to happen immediately. And when it doesn't happen the way they plan to, they get frustrated and they panic. And when I say they, I mean, like, this has happened to me before. And it's, like, the patience and, like, understanding how this thing evolves. And you can't put a timeline on something artistic and that's when block comes in deadlines is another story like you get deadlines but even still like people panic that's the worst thing it'll come um so the broad sense is like basically remove yourself and let it let it come and i'm going to transition into the practical here but like the most important thing is like say what you want to say and i think people get caught up as well I do where it's like it has to sound a certain way it has to like it's not the way I intended it it's like just your job as a writer is to say it is to express it and communicate and if it sounds poetic that's great but you have a job to do and then number two um, this is a tip I got in a, in a book not a writing book Zen the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance <laughs> you never know you never know where it'll come from um, he said um uh, Stuck. I can't remember. He had an explanation for why, but he said the tip was, he oh he said because you're trying to express too many things at the same time. So he says 
get it all out everything you want to say don't um, police it whatsoever it's like like your tools lay it all out and then once it's out start to rearrange it and then once that's done you can polish it and make it fancy um, yeah does that does that answer that? yeah that's great okay cool if I had to sum it in two words three words it will come <laughs> like if it's something that you really want to express it's not you're not forcing it's not egoic um, it's not sure. like oh, I, I gotta make the best book ever and um, if it's something that's a pure intention then it'll it'll come I think I think all of that rings true and I'll add that there's in the in the creative world you definitely can be stuck sometimes writing about things you're not very passionate about and Bam! Yeah. when you're not passionate about it I feel like that's just going to be a challenge on a regular basis. Yes. And if you're if it's a right if you're a writer, that's where I'll, I'll talk about um, you can control that. Like even if you're within the parameters of like an assignment, you can control how the interview goes and the type of material that you draw out. And it's true, if you're not excited about it, it's going to suck. It's going to suck writing it and they're, they're people are going to hate reading it. Yeah. Cuz back to what Coco said, it's the feeling yeah. What goes in is what people experience. Yeah, they, they exactly. I kind of discovered discovered that more so recently when I was writing content for LinkedIn around leadership, mm -hmm. which I enjoy writing about. And I had a particular topic, which I don't recall right now. I just couldn't write anything. Like, I mean, it just wasn't... I was writing for writing's sake as opposed to writing because it was something meaningful I wanted to say. And so, because it wasn't coming from a passionate place, mm -hmm. it was hard just to get past a couple sentences. I ended up scratching that and wrote a piece about ageism in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, that got a lot more traction than anything I've written so far. Was it easier to write? Way easier to write. <laughs> 30 minutes, start to finish. It was like, one solid stream of consciousness going on to paper, uh, yeah, and uh, it was stories. It was, you know, my own personal interactions and stories and, and things that I've seen happen with other people. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think actually that that uh, is something that's missing from a lot of writing these days in terms of like businesses, small businesses, larger businesses, just lacking the feeling. There's just no connection. <laughs> It's just sell, 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 yeah. or, or, it's very dry, uninteresting stuff for the sake of having content on a site. Yeah. Well, there was, I mean, with search practices as well, people are writing for machine recognition, and with less of an emphasis on how it would read for users. You know, it's a that's an interesting topic that we could spend a lot of time about on on. I'm going to start that over. That's an interesting topic for us to maybe talk about more. What I will say at a high level on that is is that the, that search game is changing. If I go and look at uh, different clients I've worked with in the past, they have maybe 100 blog posts and one's performing. Mm. But really that one is the only one that matters. Mm. And that's because it's driving social shares, it's driving links, mm -hmm. it's um, 
uh, getting passed around, it, then it ranks well. Mm -hmm. It's creating a high click-through rate, which they're, they're in turn improves the entire website presence. Yeah. So if you have five of those, it's going to be way more powerful than having 195 other oh, good. stale content pieces. Good. Well, it goes back to writing for writing's sake. Yeah. Or writing yeah. what needs to be said. I think we are finally turning that corner, especially with with Google Search specifically, mm -hmm. where it is becoming much and much less about volume mm -hmm. and more about actually just writing good stuff mm -hmm. that people care about. Good. Because yeah. those 200 pieces or those 195 pieces that don't get shared or read is because they're not written in a way that attracts an audience or the topic itself mm -hmm. is not produced in a way that attracts an audience yeah. or an actual reader. It's just too much tailoring to a bot. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, so a couple more questions for you and we're going to wrap up. Can you define for me what creative writing is? The first thing that came to mind was writing that flows from the imagination. Um, so there's like there's journalism and there's academic writing, which you're writing, you're sourcing from reality, right? Mm -hmm. You're writing what journalism. It's like yeah, you're writing what you see, the information that's conveyed to you, quotes, facts, etc. Whereas creative writing is happening internally. Um, you're you're kind of seeing with your mind's eye. And painting that picture. Does that work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an, it's important. One of the things that that is missing right now in the workplace and other um, other areas is that while words might have a core definition, people define them in their own way. So if you were to ask me or you ask someone else what they thought creative writing was they give you a different explanation because yeah. they've defined it sure. in their own way. And you see that a lot of times with core values. You see that in, in mission statements. Companies, businesses are defining those things in a way that makes sense to them as opposed to maybe their actual definitions of what those things mean and mm -hmm. have been for years. Yeah, well, the thing that's, well, the, w the way that it's agreed upon with who they want to communicate it with as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Do you think that storytelling should be something that's integrated into most uh, content on a website for various types of businesses, whether they're T-Mobile or they're your local roofer? Do you think there's a place for storytelling in all of these different places? Um, I think if it suits it, yeah. Like, and that, that's kind of like a vague answer, but it's like sometimes you just need, you know, like it's a technical product, tech specs, right? You don't need the story of how it came to be, mm -hmm. or maybe someone will care about that. And sometimes there isn't a story. It's not like, um, sure. back to our some, some Web4 projects, remember we'd be in the room interviewing the client. It's like, how'd this come to be? You know, how'd you start the business? And the person's like, so we can make money off of it. And it's like, <laughs> fair. <laughs> fair enough. It's a capitalistic society. Like, mm -hmm. that's the start for a lot of businesses. But then other ones, there's a very deep and, like, enriching story in there of how the business came to be. And it's like, in that case, it should be shared with people. Mm 
because I think people are gonna there there is something deeper behind this and that should be communicated. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important part of branding is just I think an important part of branding is just the story, like yeah. just the stories of you where where you're coming from, why you started the business, and like you said, uh, some people are are in it for. You know, they had a, a talk with John Doe and Jane Doe, and they're like, yeah, let's make a lot of money and let's start this thing. Yeah. But even then, maybe sometimes you just got to dig deeper because... True. Yeah. Make more money, why? You're not living Bam. now? You're not, you know, you're not surviving now? Why Why do you need to make more money? Why do you have to start your own business? Sometimes the story behind the story... I completely that, agree. That's that, an awesome point. That, um, that... There's always a root. To me, that's one of my mottos that there's always a root. Like, yeah. there's always a root cause or thing that creates the ripple for everything else. And I think it's true, yeah. You just never know about some people in starting businesses, maybe because they have sick family members and want to raise capital to help pay for their um, expenses. Like, there's these stories out there that exist in, in the real world. Yeah. And in many cases, people are, are too concerned about hurting their brand by communicating such personal information. I think actually that uh, we may have been trained that way up until this point, but I think that's changing. I think we see that now, and I think stories is what's going to bring the next generation of businesses. I completely agree, yeah. And um, for people who are, like, reticent about sharing their story, I think they're really just harming themselves. Like, because I get if you don't want to share personal information... Um, I, and I completely respect that. But if there are details that can boost your business and forge a deeper connection with your customer and you're neglecting that because of your own ego or you're concerned about your image, um, you're just hurting yourself. It's, like, it's, just, it's just a missed opportunity, mm-hmm. missed connections. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we got to wrap up here. Cool. Anything that you want to say to the audience before we let you go? Um, probably. I always let, want to have a final word. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I don't know, like, we talked about the podcast, we talked about the zine, and, like, this, I know this is intended to inspire other creative professionals, mm-hmm. and it's like, everyone says just do it, but what we talked about, um, follow your excitement. When something excites you, do it and make it, and that's going to be meaningful. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's huge. Yeah. Life, that, that can be life changing for someone. You know, yeah, that could. We don't, we don't think about those little ripple effects that we we have. But that's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Crafting Creatives. Uh, Many thanks to Harris Newman for joining us. And if you want to learn more about Harris, find out uh, more about his zine, his podcast, you can visit therightjason.com forward slash dwpod. That's therightjason.com forward slash dwpod, as in podcast, that's P-O-D. One more time for you, therightjason.com forward slash dwpod. And uh, check it out. You'll you'll get some info on Harris, where you can listen to his podcast, where you can grab his his zine, and more from there. Uh, thanks so much, Harris, for 
joining us, and if you like this episode, please pass it on, and we'll see you again next time.